Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Every Sunday we are given the opportunity to hear and to respond to either the Ten Commandments or the summary of the law. This Sunday morning we uh, had the summary of the law, which goes like this. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love the neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You see, the summary of the law serves as that pointed reminder of what is required to us as followers of Christ in loving God and in loving others. The summary of the law is the very foundation of what we're called to do. If you need to know real quickly what you are called to do as a Christian, you're called to love God and love others. So it should be without controversy to say that loving others is at the very heart of who we are as Christians. Christians should not be known as judgmental or hypocritical. But what we should be known as is loving. We should be described by others as those are the people who love. Jesus said the world would even know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. John, in his epistle this morning, hammers home the importance of love. Matter of fact, he uses the word love in one way or another 27 times in these 14 verses. It might be important. It it, it might be something we want to listen to. It, It might be something we want to obey. You see, John reiterates to us the importance of love and especially the requirement and commandment to love one another. And let us make no mistake. Loving one another is a requirement. It's not an option. It's not a choice you get to have or a choice you get to make. It is what we are called to do. You have got to love one another. And get this. We're called to love everyone, not just those who are easy to love. We know those kinds of people, right? We we all have maybe some of those people in our own lives. Those people that are just, just for whatever reason, they're really hard to love. You know, we now we got the ones that are easy to love. I got I've got my wife; she's so easy to love. But we've got those in our in our lives that are hard to love. Maybe they're in our own family. Maybe they're friends. Maybe they're coworkers. Maybe they're our neighbors. Friday I came up and I put the uh, the fire extinguisher up and, and set the other stuff up, did a little straightening up. And as I was locking up and leaving, there was a, a young man who was going across our parking lot. <clears throat> and so I said hi to him because I talked to everybody. And he said hi to me because come to find out he talks to everybody. 
<laughs> young man's name's Adari. And Adari's from the University of Arizona. And he's spending his summer doing an internship for a company that has college-age kids who have a certain criteria academically. Uh, they go door-to-door in different communities selling educational uh, materials for kids. Now, the thing you need to know about Adari is hardworking. He's dripping in sweat. Uh, big old smile on his face. Eyes lit up as we talked. He was well-spoken, very respectful. And as I said, he uh, that smile just... It, it, the sun could have been gone and his smile would have lit up this town. So we talked and we, we shared a little bit. And, and as I said, his his job is to go door-to-door selling educational materials. And so I asked him, I was like, how, how does that work for you, Dari? How's that, how's that going for you? You getting any pushback? And Dari said, well, I've had the cops called on me three times today. Now, there, there's a piece of information I've left out because it's not important to me, but it's important to this story, is that Adari is from Los Angeles, California, and he's an African-American. And so when he says the cops have been called on him three times just that day, well, it, it's probably not just because he's going door to door. You would think, well, that's a, that's a pretty big jump that you're making there. So I, I even asked him, I said, Adari, I've got to ask this. I, I think I know the answer. I, I think well of others. I said, have you had any racial issues doing this? He said, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've, I've had two this week. I said, two? I mean, what, what, what do you mean you've had two issues? What is that? He said, oh, they used the N-word to me. I said, well, how, I don't understand. How does that get you? I mean, what, in what way is this, you know, what, what does that sound like? Or what does that look like? And he said, well, they told me they don't want any, you know, any of those kind of people on their property. And I was just dumbfounded by this, right? He said, oh, yeah, the second guy even had a shotgun that he moved his leg to show me he had a shotgun and he meant business. Adari is a very easy person to love. I mean, he, he just, he, he wrapped me up in his smile. He was very well-spoken, just very nice. But I will be honest, these guys who use these racial, uh, these racial words, these racial slurs, and show people a shotgun, they're not so easy to love. But Scripture is very clear that we are to love everyone. Scripture is very clear that we, we don't get to choose who we love. We are called to love every single person. The easy ones like my wife and the hard ones like me. I know I'm not easy to love all the time. Sometimes I think I am, but... So when we talk about this kind of love, when we get into this kind of love, one of the first things I think we have to do is to understand a little bit about the nature of this love. I mean, we hear the word used all the time. I mean, you hear it all the time. Well, I love this show, or I love this actress, or I just... I love this person, and I I love ice cream, or I love chocolate. I, I said love several times yesterday at Reese's uh, parents' 50th anniversary when everybody was at, having the cake that she made for them, and I said, I love this icing. It was so good that, you know, she had left, some left over in a bowl, and she had to go do something on uh, Friday night. I found myself taking that one finger and getting me a big old dollop of, uh, now don't worry, if it holds whole 30, if it's that. And I'd get a big old dollop on my finger and, you know, I'd find reasons to go to the bedroom to have to pass the table to get a little bit more because I love Reese's icing. But the problem is, is that we use that word so much that it really doesn't mean anything anymore. We use it so much that we have become desensitized to that word. So instead of saying, 
I like Reese's icing. I say I love it. I like the Office show on Netflix. I love, you know, I say I love it. And I should be saying I like it. So we become so desensitized to what it means than something other than just having a strong emotion for something or a strong uh, appeal to something. So I believe what we should do this morning, we have four questions we're going to ask that John answers for us. It's going to help us understand what is this love, and not only that, but to really embrace love for what it is. And the first question is this, where does this love come from? We've already identified that this love is something special. John says it 27 times. We look at the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. Uh, We've got the chapter of love. So love is obviously a pretty big deal. The summary of the law is love God, love others. So let's dig in a little bit. But the first question is where does this love come from? Well, John answers that question in the very beginning of our verses in verse 7. And he answers it in a way for people like me who's a little hard, hard to understand things sometimes. You know, people that want to make things complicated. And so John says, love is from God. You see, the, the very nature of love is divine. It's from God. Love's not from the world. Love's not from some fictional book. Love is not what you make it. It doesn't come from the goodness of your heart or from your very best intentions. There is a genesis for love. There is an origin for love, and it is God. Not only is love from God, but in verse 8 and verse 16, John says that God is love. Love has always been here. Love has always existed because God's always existed. God is the very epitome of love. It speaks to his very nature. It speaks to who God really is. He is is love. He is a God of love. So this love seems a little outside my reach. It seems a little bit hard for me to put my mind around or wrap my hands around. How is it even possible that I might be able to have this kind of love? How is it possible that I could even love when I compare myself to God? So the second question is this, is how is it possible that we love? Well, John answers that. We love because God loved us first. Did you you hear that? God loved you first. God initiated that love with you. He didn't wait till you were perfect, because you never would be. He didn't wait till you had some kind of value that he needed. Well, that, that Deacon Rick, he sure is a good-looking good looking preacher. You know, he brings preaching to me, and I, I love him because of that. He didn't look for you to prove anything to him. Well, I'm tell you what, I'm going to wait here till you prove that you love me, and then I'll love you back. No, you see, God loved us first. He initiated love. Your loving him is only secondary to him loving you with a perfect never-ending love. And any time you love, it's only because God first loved you. Whether that was as as a non-believer or as a believer. God has always been the initiator of love in this world and in your life. Now, 
Okay, I, I, I'm, I'm getting there. I, I know where love comes from. All right, I know, I know how it's possible that I can love. But why would I need to love? What, why is there a need? Is there any kind of you know, spiritual significance? Is there any kind of uh, need in my life for me to love? What makes it so important? I mean, is this one of those things where I just need to do because I'm told to do it? You know? Uh, I, I, think about, I think about the kids, right? So Peyton, you know, when he gets in, first thing he wants to do is take his shoes off. He just throws them everywhere. I, I understand. I do the same thing. So I might say, Peyton, pick up your shoes out of the middle of the floor. And he might say, why, Dad? Now, I might say, because I said so. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is it's not just because I said so. The reason I want him to pick his shoes up out of the middle of the floor might be because I don't want somebody to trip over him and get hurt. I might say, Peyton, I need you to do your homework. And he'd say, why, Dad? And I'd say, so that you learn. Not make good grades. There's a difference. Because I want you to learn, son. So, do we need to love just because we're told to do it? Well, John gives us four reasons we need to love. The first reason is this. The one who loves is born of God. You see, to be a child of God, to be born of God, means that you love others. If you don't love others, you're not a child of God. And just as our children inherit traits from us, and some of you might be saying, thank God, and some of you might be saying, oh, goodness. <laughs> just as our children inherit traits from us, both good and bad, we too inherit traits from our Heavenly Father because we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of the Most High, and therefore we do inherit. And so if you are a child of God, if you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, then you have inherited that trait of love. Second reason is the one who loves knows God. If you love, then you know God. God is love. And if you know God, then you love. If you don't love, then you don't know God. John's very clear about this. If you love, you know God. If you don't, then you, you don't. I mean, he, he even says, to, to the point that he says, if you say you love God, but don't love your brother, well, you're a liar. I mean, that's kind of how I see John doing that. You know, kind of thought, you're a liar. It's tied together that if you know God, now there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing of God and knowing God. You see, I might know about uh, Billy Graham. I might be able to tell you some facts about Billy Graham. But I know Rick Smith. We don't just know about God. If we know God, then we will love God. Others. Number three, and he says this, John says this over and over. As it was being read this morning, uh, when I read it at the bridge, it stuck out to me. And as Peyton was reading this morning, it stuck out to me even more. Number three is if you love, God abides in you and you in him. He says it several times. There's this, this emphasis put on abiding. You want to know where God abides? Want to know the situation in which our God is found abiding, it's in those who love. It's in those who love. Where you find one loving, you will find God abiding. 
Not only that, but we abide in God. When we love others, when we love our neighbors, when we love our brothers, when we love those who have hurt us, when we love those who have wronged us, we abide in God. We abide in God. We commune with God. We are in Him and He is in us. And how do we know that God abides in us and we in Him? He tells us. John tells us. He says, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. Number four, if you love, then God's love is perfected in you. You see, in loving others, we become the conduit of God's love. We embody and live out that love to all those around us. It's no longer our love, but God's full and perfect love that is flowing in and through us to all those around us. Loving those around us is the ripened fruit of communion with God. When you love those outside of yourself, when you love your neighbor, it is the ripened fruit of communion with God. When we leave this place this morning, if we go to our house and we see a neighbor, if we go to a restaurant to eat, the ripened fruit from this morning is your loving people. The ripened fruit from morning prayer when you do it is loving other people. Ripened fruit from walking daily with the Spirit is loving other people. So we know where love comes from. We know how it's possible for us to love. We know now why we should love, according to John. So we might be asking, what does love look like when it's manifested? Or put another way, is what does love look like when it's done? <laughs> what does it look like when it's out there? You see, John answers that question for us when he tells us that God sent his Son into the world that through him we might live. Want to know what perfect love looks like? Want a perfect example of what love looks like? Want to know exactly how much God loves us? John answers that in verse 9. He says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. Next verse, for those of us who are a little slower, those of us who need to be told multiple times, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. There would never be a more perfect example of love than the love of God. God set the standard for what love looks like by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross for you. He did it because he loves you. He did it because he loves and because love is not just some fluffy word we use to express how we might f- feel deep inside when we feel good. <clears throat> because love is not just some word we use when we get kind of excited about strawberry ice cream. God shows us. 
He says the love is an action, not just a feeling. One of my favorite verses over the last several years has become this verse, and it's amazing how, how much it's deeply impacted me. But Romans 5, 8. When I, when I do the Celebration of Life service over at the Mills River Nursing Home, I wrote Romans 5, 8 every, every single time, because here's what Romans 5, 8 says. That God demonstrated His love. God showed His love. God put into action. God gave tangible showing of His love toward us that while we were yet sinners or while we were still at our worst, that Christ died for us. Or John 3.16, one of the first verses we've all learned when we were kids, right? I know as, as a young Christian, nobody told me, I was 19 years old, nobody said, here's the verses you memorized. But I remember when I got that first Bible, my first King James Version Bible, I remembered, well, you know, when I watch those sports shows, when I watch the Braves or I watch football, there's always this guy that has a sign that says John 3.16. And I think there's a book called John 3.16, so maybe that's an important verse. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. <laughs> you hear how it started though? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God didn't just say, Janine, I love you. God says, Janine, I love you so much that I'm sending my son Jesus to die for you because I want to redeem you. He doesn't just tell us how he loves us, but he shows us. And it is this action of love that we are called to as followers to mimic. That's, that's what Christian means. You know that, right? Christian means to be little Christ followers. It means to be, we want to be just like Christ. So when we say we're disciples of Christ or we're believers of Christ or we're followers of Christ, we want to be just like Jesus. We want to be holy. We want to be like God. And it's this love of God that we are called to mimic. And I believe that John pulls it all together. He, he ties it all together real nice and neat for, for people like me when he throws this little sentence in there. And I think it's the perfect way for us to end today is our call of action. He said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Pulls it together quite nicely, doesn't it? If God so loved us, we are called or we ought to love one another. We are called to love one another. And why should we love one another? Both Christians, both those who don't follow Christ. Why? Because of the great God, the great love with which God loved us. We should love others. Seeing and knowing and experiencing this divine love from God should be the encouragement and motivation we need in order to love those around us to love brother and sister to love our enemies to love our neighbors to love everyone never forget this great love that God has for you never forget it in the trials in the tribulations in your troubles in the darkest of days remember that God loves you Every day in the joy, in the blessings, in the beauty, remember God's love for you. And let that love of God so move you to love others, to forgive others, 
to reconcile with others, to reach across the great divide like God reached across to you and love those who have hurt you or wronged you, to love those with whom you disagree, to love those who are not like you, to love those who are the least of these, to love them. To love them because your God loves because your God loves you. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen.